Father God Almighty, we do thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather. Together as believers, together as brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship our Lord and Savior, he who bore our sin on the cross, to wash us white as snow. We thank you, Lord, for this day, and we thank you, Lord, for all the fathers here and the blessing that they are. We do pray, Lord, that you continue to strengthen fathers as this world is trying to break down families and break down fathers. Pray, Lord, that you would give strength and courage to fathers to continue to stand for what is right, and that is your word, to stand on the truth, which is the Bible, to teach their children in a biblical manner. We do pray for that, Lord. We pray for this service. We pray, Lord, that we would lift our voices to your glory. The, word, the, the words that are, are spoken from this pulpit are to your glory and not our own. As we know, there is nothing we can boast in we may, that, that we've done from our own accord, but we may boast in Christ as he has accomplished all the work necessary for our salvation. So we thank you for these things and just pray that you'd be glorified. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Start out, I'd like to start out by reading Psalm 84, 11, and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is a man who trusts in you. Grace is something that is talked about a lot today in many different contexts. Our church, Grace Community Fellowship Church, right? There are many women whose name is Grace. There's even sitcoms with the word grace in it. You can be said to be in one's good or bad graces. But far more important than that, from a worldly usage of grace, to us is God's grace. This is a topic or a doctrine which we could camp on for a good long while and barely scratch the surface. As you probably well know, I like dictionaries. So I thought I'd look up the word grace in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, one of my favorite dictionaries. The first definition, and there's a couple here, favor, goodwill, kindness, disposition to oblige another. The second, appropriately, the free, unmerited love and favor of God. The spring in renewing of the heart and restraining from sin. The application of Christ's unrighteous or righteousness to sinners and a state of reconciliation with God. God's grace is his goodness and favor towards those who deserve eternal damnation. However, let's not be confused with mercy. The two are very distinct. Mercy is the act of withholding that deserved punishment, while grace is the act of endowing unmerited favor. In his mercy, God does not give us a punishment we deserve, namely hell. In his grace, God gives us the gift which we do not deserve, namely heaven. Here's a few summarizations of God's grace. One, God's grace is a gift freely given, not earned. It's unmerited. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. Two, God's grace is abundant. 
1 Timothy 1.14, Paul says, The grace of our Lord is, was more ab- than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Three, Christ, or God's grace is necessary. Romans 3, all day long, right? We have all fallen short. Number four, God's grace is manifested in our Lord Jesus Christ. John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Five, God's grace helps equip the saints. In Ephesians 3, Paul explains grace was given to him to preach. So too, the Lord has equipped each and every one of us here today in some sort of ministry, whether to minister to one another or in a ministry within a church or somewhere. We are equipped through God's grace. Ephesians 4.29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And six, God's grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12.9, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Seven, God's grace in terms of the gift he gives believers is eternal and cannot be lost. Romans 6.23, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As the Apostle John penned in the first chapter of his gospel in verse 16, for of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. It's one of my favorite verses. I know I have a lot of favorite verses, and I say that every time I'm up here. There's a lot of favorite verses, but this is probably one of my favorites of the favorite. Grace upon grace. Here in this rather simple verse, Jesus is explaining his infinite fullness is never-ending grace. Not only that, but grace upon grace. Whenever the Bible repeats itself, take note because it's of great importance. Grace upon grace. John Newton, as some of you may be very familiar with, was born in London in 1725. He had a rather rocky upbringing, though his mother tried to teach him from scripture until she died when he was seven. He quickly followed his father's footsteps and took to the seas. He eventually joined the Royal Navy, which he then deserted. He was captured by a slave trader near Africa And when he escaped from that slave trader, he soon became a slave trader himself until he was shipwrecked and nearly drowned. And that was all by the age of 29. It was after that the Lord got a hold of him and saved him under the influence of George Whitfield, John, and Charles Wesley. He turned to God and repented. He went on into ministry and was ordained in the Church of England. During his years in ministry, he ended up writing some 280 hymns, some of them we know very well, one in particular. It was in 1772 he began penning one of his most known hymns, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but am now found, was blind, now I see. That about sums it up, doesn't it? God's amazing grace, a wretch lost and blind. 
Do you remember that moment when God reached out to you and opened your eyes when you first saw? Do you still remember that moment when you were found? That moment when God reached out as if to say, I got you. It's okay. I got this. And I will never let go. I tried to think of an image that might best portray the magnitude and size of God's grace. I went to the ocean. It's pretty big, right? There's a place, rather a location, known as Point Nemo. I think that's where the movie Finding Nemo was filmed, but don't quote me on that. It's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and on this earth, it is the point that is furthest from any landmass, period. I thought God's grace might be like that Point Nemo, that location in the ocean, and you swimming there. Nothing but water above you and as far as you can see. But then I thought, that's not big enough. That's not, God's grace is much bigger than that. So then I thought, how about if you were floating in outer space? Space suit and all that kind of stuff, right? Last year, astronomers claimed to have seen the farthest star from Earth, some 28 billion light years from Earth. Right? So I got out my piece of paper and my pen, and I started doing math. A light year, one single light year is six trillion miles, right? So six and a bunch of zeros, and then 28 and a bunch of zeros, a few less than a trillion, but a few less right there. Um, and you come up with 1.68 E plus 23. Some of you get it. That's what the calculator said. What exactly that means, I don't know, but it's a really, really big number, right? That's really far away. And I would venture to guess there's a star twice that distance away from Earth as well. That's how big God's grace is. Simply put, there is no limitation or end to God's grace. We will never see the end of it. If that's not comforting, I don't know what is. That's like a shot in the arm of adrenaline. What has he done in your life with his grace? How has grace affected you today? Or better yet, how have you shown someone else grace? Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, I'm not going to say this is my favorite, but it's up there, right? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, but without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Very comforting. So what does God's grace look like? And one day he will return for his church. 10,000 years, and we will just start. We will just be getting going. Amen.